the best part. You can say amen after that. Awesome, guys. Well, it's funny meeting together and it's dark on Sunday, right? It's dark outside and we're here. We're going to have a great time. Uh, I, this is one of my favorite Sundays because we get to have an extended time together as a family. And the food is always straight up amazing. So just in the fellowship break, I did fellowship with some people. And then I wafted the brisket, just kind of <laughs> smelt it a little bit and got encouragement from the amazing barbecue that's about to happen. So if I can have the ushers help out a little bit, uh, we're going to have an interactive message a little bit today. Are you okay with interacting? Yeah. Okay with that? With that? We, I would like to hand out these prayer banners, prayer banners, okay? So if the, um, this doesn't really look like a banner so as much, but... In heaven, you're doing that, okay? In heaven, we'll talk about that. But this is something that you can fill out uh, while the message goes on. And we're going to talk about prayer today. And we're going to talk about the power of prayer. Amen? Amen. And uh, certainly, the power of prayer is amazing. Um, and it's something that we really, uh, uh, really focused on uh, for some time even in the, in the church here. But don't we need reminders Amen. of this? Yep. And this last week, I mean, who, who enjoyed this last week's devotional in the book? I really enjoyed it. It was awesome to go through the heart of God, right? Yep. The heart of God. And um, to talk about how we're beloved, right? So I want us all to say right now, I'm loved by God. Okay, ready? I'm loved by God. I'm liked by God. I'm liked by God. And doggone it. No, I'm saying people like me. No, I, I just, I think it's important for us to realize that God doesn't just love you, doesn't just like you. He adores you. He adores you. You know, he, the Bible says you're the apple of his eye. That, that though a mother might forget uh, uh, which I'm like, wow. A mother might forget her child, you know, at the breast. I will never forget you, says the Lord Almighty. You see, I have engraved your, your name on my hands, says God Almighty in the book of Isaiah. Though you walk through the fire or walk through the, the, the flood, I will be with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I give up loving you. Mm. You know, we have a God who we need to be reminded of that loves us. And, and throughout this last week, we talked about how we're beloved, right? I don't even, I don't even use that word much. Mm. Beloved. I had to look it up. What does it mean? Mm. It means dearly loved. Mm. You're dearly loved by God. God is, is brokenhearted by this world. You know, when all this stuff is going on in the world, he, he's brokenhearted about every single person that's suffering and going through things. God is a jealous God, which is kind of a funny uh, day that we looked at, right? That he's jealous, that essentially he has great zeal for you. You know, just like my wife. If my wife, someone's hitting on my wife. I'm a good Christian and everything, but I start getting ticked off. I start getting really mad. You know, I start getting upset and it's hard to control myself almost, you know, 
And God feels that about the idols in our life. You know, you no. You're, we're supposed to be solely together. There's supposed to be no other gods except me. There's going to be no other most important relationship except me. Well, what's up with that, God? Because God loves you so much. That's how he feels about you. Right. You know, with my wife and I, I I'm devoted to her. And, and if that changes, it hurts me. That's how much God, God is devoted to you like that. He's devoted to you like that. He's faithful, right? He's full of faith. He's faithful even when we're faithless, the Bible says. He's patient, amen? amen. I love that chapter the best. The, the hard part was, now, act out patience everywhere you go. Just like God. And I was like, the first day I did a great job, but today I took Noah to Denny's. And boy, it was hard to have some patience because a lot of people were out for breakfast, right? I don't usually go out on Sunday morning for breakfast because I'm with you guys. So I'm there. And there's like eight different booths open. And I counted them, right? And the woman's just talking, blah, blah, blah. You know, the hostess talking, blah, blah, blah. And then they called the person that I got, I put my name in before. You know how that goes. And then they sat down and Noah's like, we should just go to McDonald's, you know, you know, like, you know, oh man, you know, it's so hard like to have patience, right? But our, that's some silly stuff, right? Denny's seating, you know what I mean? And you know, you've seen everyone eat around you and you're hungry, you know what I mean? You're hangry, you're like, they're like, mm, they're like, you know, this, this old guy was just eating his pancakes, like savoring every bite. And I was like right next to him. I'm like, you know, but like, to have patience over silly things like that is hard. How much more does God have patience with us about amazing things, about things that we're being knuckleheads about? God is love, amen? That's what he says. And then the last chapter is God is counting on us. And, and I want to ask you, did you write your love letter from God? I hope you did. You know, whether you put it online or, uh, you know, the hashtag or if you just uh, did it between you and God. It was a little difficult for me, to be honest. You know, I almost like, it, it's hard to speak on behalf of God. Right, right. But after I finished, I read it again, and I was like, wow, this is, first of all, this is biblical. And then second of all, I asked myself, do I feel this way most of the time? And the truth is, I need to read that letter more, right? I need to reread that letter often to remind us that God thinks we're amazing, that he loves us, Amen. So, um, that was a great week that we had. Just so you guys know, after this series, we're going to be going into another series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we're going to be speaking about what it means to be a, a good neighbor to one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is actually Josh Bowley made this invitation, which is kind of cool. We're going to also talk about Fred Rogers a little bit and how he, he was different. He treated people different. And his, the same spirit he has, right, interaction with people. You know, some people thought, oh, he's got a different life, right, than, than he has on TV, but he really didn't. He's one of the few people, right, who didn't have this different life. He treated people like that all the time. That's who we need to be, amen? amen. We need to be different. We need to treat people differently. And even if they think, that's crazy. You know, when I first came to church, everyone's hugging each other, and everyone's happy, and I'm like, Someone gave me a hug. I was like, 
what, who, who are these people, you know? I was a hardened college student, and to think about the fact that, you know, we can be a neighbor for one another. So this is going to be great to go through the, the won't, you be, you know, won't you be a neighbor right after um, Hometown Missionary. The Super Bowl is coming, which is great. And I know uh, I promised to make this sermon a timely one so we can watch the Super Bowl. It's in our nine years of doing this, we've never missed a Super Bowl. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You know, um, I would like to do an experiment one time and just have someone just keep preaching and to test your patience. That would be fun. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. Um, I want to get a little serious here and acknowledge something. I know we love sports. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it, it, this is an unfortunate thing that happened. And I don't um, want to be trite with anything I say, but to realize that, you know, sports, the people that are watching on TV, right? Mm-hmm. People that we really admire, they're people just like us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when all this was going on, and I grew up watching Kobe Bryant, you know, certainly I was a basketball player as well. And he got drafted to the NBA almost the same day I got baptized. And and we're like the same age, basically. And so it's definitely sobering to me to see what happened to him. And to see the other souls that were brought down on that plane. And obviously to see his, his daughter and all the other young people as well as the parents that were on there and the pilot you know why are we wanting to be missionaries in our hometown because of this this stuff happens all the time you know people need the Lord you know if if everyone in the helicopter was was you know and I don't know where these people stand with God, but, but you know what? If, if everyone is, is, is right with God and has their sins forgiven, this is not so much of a huge tragedy as we see it now. Yeah. You know, and, and I know death was never the plan of God. In fact, we were the ones that brought death into the world. Mankind was. And yet God has a plan through Jesus Christ to allow us to not be hurt by death. Amen. You know, the coronavirus. And not to get, you know, too intense here, but wow, the coronavirus. And it, it is obviously sad to see how many people have been infected with this thing. And I think, um, I think one of my sons was talking to me about it. And, and you know, and I think Josh was. And, and we were talking about it. And I said, you don't have to worry, son. You're right with God. And just to even, I needed to hear that, right? <laughs> I needed to say that for myself. But just that we can, we can look forward to a heavenly, a heavenly dwelling place. Yeah. And, and to not worry about death. Death is not something that we have to, to, to have on our mind often, you know? And we need to pray. And I want to encourage you to pray for the people uh, this week. Spend some time praying. We talk about prayer. Pray for God to heal these families. And I'm actually going to say a prayer right now. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and God, our hearts ache for these people. And I know we don't, 
I don't know them personally. But just to see their faces, just to see the young faces and the older faces, and to hear about this tragedy. God, this tragedy was so challenging. And yet we know that so many more people passed away, even in our hometowns, God. And there's things that happen every day that that hurt our hearts. And I know they hurt yours. And God, we just come before you right now. We want to be present right now. And we want to ask you, Lord, to be with each soul that was on this helicopter, God. Have mercy on them. God, we also want to pray for the families that are left behind, God. And just the pain they feel, God. Just... The, the pain that's in their hearts. And, and I just ask you, Lord, that you would heal them and help them in this time. Father, I thank you for prayer. God, when we don't know what to do, we can pray. And God, even these people who, who are playing football that we're gonna watch right now, they're souls that need you just as much as we need you. We all need you, God. It was interesting just to watch the awards night and to hear everyone thank God for just their careers and their success. And people might say, oh, that's just a bad thing they said. But God, I know even in the NFL, there are many people who believe in God. We've had disciples in the NFL, God, in our church that have helped other people become disciples on those teams, God. Lord, these, these professional athletes have so much, obviously, prestige and money but they're so lonely in many ways, God. And also, God, the riches and the power and all the things can distract them from the most important things, God. And so we pray for them right now. We pray for all the people that are playing in this game, God, that you would uh, move in their life and, and bring someone uh, or, that could help them know about you. And if they know about you, God, I pray that they would Tell others, God. And we see sometimes at games, God, it's encouraging. Right after the game, a group of people from both sides of the teams, they get together and they're on their knees praying to you, God. That's, that's powerful to me, God. That shows me, Lord, that, that you're reaching people, God. And Father, help that encourage us as we think about the people in our hometowns and know, God, that this is greater than us, God. That, Lord, if we're going to be hometown missionaries, Lord, we need to invoke the power of heaven. We need to ask you, Lord, we don't have the resources. We don't have the words. We don't have the know-how. We don't have any understanding of how to reach people, God. But we just want to ask your help. And to give, send down your power, send down your angels, send down your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And guide us to be missionaries in our hometown. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to play a video actually of Colby. It's an exit interview. And you go, what's going on? We're watching football and basketball today. I guess we are. But this is a really, it's two minutes. And it's a really unique video that moved me. And, and the two things that moved me, and you'll see is that he said, trying to be the best basketball player was fickle. The most important thing is 
how it touches other people and the next generation, which I thought was amazing for him to say. This is like the exit interview right before his last game. And the second thing he talked about was that, was that he lived a life without regret. And that encouraged me as I, obviously this has happened. It, it showed me that he lived life, you know, as full as he knew how to live. And it reminded me that sometimes I can regret my failures. I can regret the things that I made mistakes with. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and yet, what, what Kobe said, you know, we can all learn from one another, right? One of the things he said that was really powerful for me is, if I could go back, I wouldn't go back. Because that's what life is all about. That's the flavor of it. That's what he says. And I love what he says. I think, and, and I think we can... You know, learn something from that. Even as Christians, in what, what Paul said, straining toward what's ahead, forgetting what's behind, right? That's what we need to do as disciples. And so I hope this helps you. Um, and then we'll jump into to some scriptures. You take that jersey off the clock, 
very at peace with it. And, um, I'm very thankful you know, for the for the 20 years that I've had. And um, ready to go. Hmm. Well, I hope it touched you. I hope it helped you. Um, Mike Bloomberg for president. <laughs> you can't get away. You can't get away from me. Can't, you can't get this right. Um, all right. Well, let's turn our Bibles. Acts 16. Um... I think what was powerful about that for me was that at the end of the day, right, we can have these goals in our minds, but what's the most important thing is touching people and helping the next generation. And that, that we have to, to live intentionally, you know? You know, look how hard he worked in basketball, right? What if we worked as hard in basketball, you know, like he worked in basketball in our spiritual life? What would that mean? You know, I often feel, even as an evangelist, that helping souls be saved, right, is so much harder than anything I've ever done in my life before. Helping others know God. It's such a vulnerable and humbling thing to do because in some ways you're talking to people that don't know what you know and you don't want to ram it down their throats, but you want to share it in a way that's attractive and encouraging but a lot of people don't even want to, they don't care to hear it. So you sort of are just in this kind of awkward position, you know what I'm saying? Where you just have to sort of put your neck out for someone and say, hey, you know, and I try not to, you know, make it weird and it's not weird. I want to share about how you can overcome death forever. I want to share how you can live forever. I want to share about Jesus Christ and how amazing he is. I want to share about how he changed my life. And most people listen. But it can be challenging, can it not? Amen. What I call soul work. But soul work is hard because it's eternal. Everything else is not. Everything else isn't eternal. I mean, unfortunately, you know, people don't even know who Oscar Robinson is. Triple-double for a whole season, right? We, we loved LeBron and all he did but Oscar Robin did it for the whole season. He averaged a triple-double during a time when there was no three-point line. But not many people know who Oscar Robinson is. Why? Because that's not eternal. And we need to think about how do we... How do we we're doing something spiritual, church, right? Amen. So to do something spiritual, we have to call upon the spiritual. Yeah. And we have to use the weapons of the spiritual. Amen? Amen. Um, Let's go to Acts 16. We're going to look at two passages and then we're going to uh, end this sermon. Amen? Um, Acts 16. The first one is, I want to encourage us all to find a place of prayer. A place of prayer. And in Acts 16 in verse 11, the Bible reads, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight from uh, Samphorus and to the next day he went to Neopolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of them who was listening was a woman to the city of Tetheria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of her God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And she and the members of her whole household were baptized. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So many cool things in this passage. And what I did a little research on this, and I, and I, and I thought, you know, this was... Uh, in, in Philippi, which did not have a lot of Jewish people in it. And so oftentimes, Paul, when he went to his missionary journeys, he would first go to the synagogue. He would first go to the Jews, the people, his own people, and share about Jesus, right? And then from there, he'd usually get persecuted, <laughs> unfortunately, and then he'd go to the Gentiles, right? And that's kind of how he did it. But he did usually get a couple people who would ultimately end up to be elders in the church later because they were the more mature people. And that was his sort of thought is, let me get some leaders to help me to win this town, right? And that's kind of how he, he worked. And I found out that you cannot start a synagogue without 10 Jewish married men. And if you don't have those people, I don't know, that's just their, that's what they did, their custom, that if you did, because there was a certain, um, certain kind of rhythm to the Sabbath and to the synagogue prayers that involved 10 men, right? And if you didn't have 10 men, you couldn't start a synagogue. And that's kind of how it starts, right? And so unfortunately, Philippi had no synagogue. And so instead of doing that, they would go to a place of prayer. And oftentimes it was a river. I, I think it's kind of cool that they chose a river, right? And, and we live around all these beautiful oceans and, and, and running water. And, and there's something about that that gives you perspective, right, yeah. about God's creation, his constant love for us, amen, his constant power, right? And places of prayer have been throughout the Bible. And maybe you already have, who has a place of prayer already? Raise your hand if you do. If you have a place of prayer. Okay. And if you don't, that's great. That's okay. I mean, maybe... For me, it's been so essential to have a place of prayer. And I go back to these places when I visit the area. For me, my first place of prayer <laughs> was actually um, on a, uh, in the backwoods of UNH when I was at University of New Hampshire. It was the Gables. You'd go back in the back and I would, it was really a scary place of prayer. But once you got there, it was awesome. I would go out there at night and it was just like no lights. You know what I'm saying? And you couldn't even see your hand in your face, but you had to walk through the, this path and then you got, and you, you know, then the, you'd see the moon right after that and you, you'd get a little light. So I would just be praying right away, the place of prayer. And I would pray, God, please don't let me get eaten by bears. You know? And then I'd walk out and I would have the most amazing sky and see you know, shooting stars and, and the moon and all these amazing things. And I would cry out to God as an 18-year-old, you know, student. I remember those times. I go back to that place. God answered many prayers in that place. Um, when I was at UMass Boston, you know, around the water, that, that we lived on Harbor Point. We used to go around the water and walk that in this ocean surrounded the, 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 um, 
the campus. In Albania, there was this overlook of the whole city that was called Mother Albania. And it was an amazing statue. And you go up to the top and you could see all of Toronto. That was a place of prayer for me. Harvard Square was a place of prayer for me when I was there. In Arlington, when, I, when we moved from Harvard to Arlington, my back porch was a place of prayer. And I remember I lived on a two-family. I'd often freak people out in the place of prayer, too. <laughs> because I can't pray in my head. I don't know what, if you're talented enough to do that. But for some reason, I can't just pray for long periods of time in my head, so I have to pray out loud. And unfortunately, people catch me praying all the time. And this person, um, she was Jewish. She was upstairs. Her name was Laura. That's how you said her name. Not Laura. Laura. So I had to get that right. It took me a year to get that on straight. <laughs> but she, she would walk by. And, you know, she, she, we shared the yard. It was a two-family condo. And I'm crying out to God. I didn't think she was there. And she sees me and she goes, oh, my God. And she just falls on her knees and says, I'm so sorry to interrupt your time with God. And she was like super intense about it. And I was like, it's okay. And, and then she, you know, just started talking to me about it. And she, but, but I was like amazed how, how reverent she was. I was like, wow, that's powerful. You know, that God is here in this place of prayer. You know, the Bible talks about when Jacob, you know, went to Bethel, that literally the, the, the sky opened up and he saw angels descending and ascending. And he said, surely God is in this place. You know, whenever you say, Father, in your place of prayer, angels descend and ascend. God is surely in that place. And so this week, find a place of prayer and ask God to be present in that place with you. I suggest a place that's private, right? Because you don't want to be encumbered. If you need to cry out, you can cry out. Some people, maybe there's young mothers around, they they just use their living room, right? That can be a holy place of prayer, right? Um, But to find one and to ask God to be there, right? Daniel would open up his window three times a day and would pray, right, toward Jerusalem. You know, and he would give thanks and ask God for help. Amen? And then the, 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 the Jesus, of course, we know his place of prayer. What was it, church? The Garden of Gethsemane. He knew where to go. You know, he's about to go to the cross, and he knows exactly where he needs to be. That place of prayer. I need to be in that place. I need to go back to Gethsemane. You know, and Joel Nagel actually speaks about how he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's amazing. One day I dream about going there and be there. And we all need that place of prayer. And to find a time to pray, a time and place, right? That's how you set up all your appointments, right? You don't just say, hey, let's have lunch. Great, I'll meet you there. You know, we have a time and place. We need help with that, right? We need help with that with God for ourselves. God's always there. He's like, I'm available 24-7. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Amen? (laughs) Let's go to Revelation 8.
And I'm going to make this PowerPoint available to you because um, it has some great quotes that I don't know if I'm going to get through all of them today on prayer. And I just want to say I'm super convicted right now about prayer because I've been doing the ministry for 20 years and I've seen God answer so many amazing prayers in my life and I have been, but I, I get amnesia when it comes to prayer. Can I, can I get an amen? Anyone feel that way too? Like, I, I sort of feel like, you know, what? Why do you keep forgetting this, Glenn? You're trying to do a spiritual thing and you're using physical things to try to do something spiritual. And that's usually our issue, church. What if we really involve God and said, God, I need you to show up. I need you to do most of the work. I need you to make me a missionary. I need your Holy Spirit to fall on me the way it fell on Pentecost on people. I need you to make me bold. I am not bold. I need you to literally bring people to me that says, teach me about God. I don't have the faith to go and do this. I need you to help me. I need you to help me be fired up about God. I'm not fired up about God. I'm like Jonah, the prophet. Maybe you feel that way. How to be a missionary in my hometown. I'm out, you know. But think about Jonah, even in a belly of a whale, guys. That was his place of prayer. (laughs) He prayed, and God heard him. And did the most amazing thing. I mean, if you're in the belly of a whale, you're basically dead. I mean, you need to just say, it's all over. And yet, there was hope even in that belly of a whale. Why? Because when you pray, heaven is quiet. Revelation 8. It says in verse 1, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Just imagine that for a second. When was the last time you were silent for half an hour, by the way? (laughs) When was the last time you were in silence for half an hour? I slept. That was the only time that was... But even then, I have fans going, you know, I have music, you know. Um, It says, I saw the seven angels who would stand before God and seven trumpets that were whipped from them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it down on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings. I love that. Rumblings. Flashes of lightning and an earthquake. When our prayers go up to heaven, God is listening. You know, the angels are singing, shh, Glenn is praying. 
And I sometimes feel bad about that. You know, you stop the worship service. Uh, Lord, uh, help me, Lord. Uh, Lord, help me, Lord. Lord, help me be a missionary in my hometown. You know, God's like, did you hear that? Did you hear that amazing prayer in Jesus' name? We got to fulfill it. Our prayers don't go up in vain. Our whispers, our squeals, our lack of faith prayers get transformed from earth into incense that are put in golden bowls up to God. The sweet smell of incense. You know, in the temple you were supposed to keep the incense burning all the time. God wants prayer well, all the time. Amen. He wants prayer all the time. That freaked me out a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? God wants prayer all the time. And, and these prayers aren't in vain. No prayer is in vain. You ever just pray and then it's answered and you're like, oh my goodness. He actually hears me. <laughs> That's the best feeling in all this world. You know, I remember I prayed at a prayer meeting for my dad to become a disciple. And my dad at the time told me literally, Glenn, if I go to hell, I go to hell. And I was pretty upset about that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I've been helping some people know God. I've never heard that from anyone, even to this day. No one's ever said that to me. You're like, someone said it to me. It bothered me, especially coming from my father. And so we went to this prayer meeting, and the, the minister was like, okay, and I was a student at the time. Let's pray for one soul that's on our heart. That was, the, that was the best and the worst thing he could have done. Because every, you know, sister, brother, sister, brother, and then it got to me, and I don't know what happened to me, but I started getting intense. And I started praying and crying and praying and crying. And I, I looked up from that prayer and people were a little afraid. And I know that's weird. I never pray like that. I'm usually very nice and Christian-y. <laughs> but I was just saying stuff like, I don't wanna go to heaven without him, Lord. He deserves it more than me. I know we both don't deserve it. But he, he, he put his life into the church and then, and then Satan took him out. He gave up college for you. I mean, I started going for it, you know. And if you, you, I can tell you more about my dad. He used to be a Jehovah's Witness minister. They told him that in 1979, Jesus was going to come back. And guess what? He didn't come back. So he quit college and went full-time in the ministry. And then my mom divorced him. And then he said, forget you, God. And he walked. And he was gone for 20 years. And that's, that, that's what pained me. Because this guy, I wouldn't even have done that. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't have done that. Maybe I would, I don't know. But I wouldn't have done that. But he did it. And I'm sitting there praying and crying out to God. <laughs> And 
we finished the prayer and, and I felt power. Something happened. Ten years later, though, I got a call from my dad. Son, I just want you to know, tomorrow I'm getting baptized. That's the power of prayer. Amen. Amen. You know, on this prayer banner you see here, There's different ways, and, and the book's going to talk about what to do here, but in the middle, your kingdom come. And this is basically all about the Lord's Prayer, right? And I hope we all know the Lord's Prayer. Most of us do. I learned that you could pray the Lord's Prayer, not just verbatim, but this is almost like an outline of prayer, if you know what I mean. And so the first one is Father, right? Connecting with God, right? Hallowed be your name, praising God. Your kingdom come. That's basically when we get to pray about friends of ours that we want to help, whether it be to know Christ or just to help, right? And, 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 and there's a big, big space here for you to write down names and, and, and let the Holy Spirit move in that area for you. And then give us our day, our daily bread. This is the time when you get to actually pray about your needs, amen? God knows you have needs, right? But it's interesting that Others come before your needs. That's not usually how I naturally pray, church. (sighs) Father, I'm really feeling a lot, Lord. And uh, I got this and nobody knows the trouble I've had. You know, know, nobody knows but Jesus. And I start talking about me, 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 right? And a lot of our prayers, church, is me. Right? And, and that's not how Jesus told us to pray. And you know what? Spend a lot of time on me. It's okay. But don't forget the kingdom come in people's lives. Amen? Amen? Then, it's funny. You'd think forgive us our sins would come first. God's already like, I already forgave your sins. I just want you to be in touch with your heart. You can still ask God for forgiveness, but that's not like if you don't say, God, forgive me, he's not going to forgive you. You're washing the blood of the lamb. Amen? Amen? We need to confess to help our hearts not to stay forgiven. Amen? Amen? And so for us, that's a time. It's funny how even sin, you'd think sin would be up top. But God cares more about you than just your sin and how you're behaving, which is really awesome, right? Amen. But he cares about our hearts, and that's why it's time. And then he says, forgive others. <laughs> that's awesome. Forgive others. And then he talks about, lead us not in temptation. Coming out of prayer, focus. Coming out of prayer, knowing that the devil's going to try to stop you. Right? On the bottom are big prayer requests to God. Certainly my dad was big prayer request. How God answered, that's cool. Then things you need to pray for me, and we're going to talk about how we're going to interact with that. And on the far right, there's why Jesus is awesome. That's a pretty easy one to fill out. (laughs) That could be a praise time. Uh, Disciples and just praying for disciples. And then those who will believe, of course. And that's more like the middle section. So you guys understand that? So throughout this week, you're going to be filling out this prayer banner. You can take this prayer banner with you. Maybe even take a picture of it. Go to your prayer place and start sending up golden bowls of incense. Amen? And watch God do what he's going to do. Amen?
So that's the prayer banner. Kind of explain that a little bit. Um, a couple quotes and then we're going to end. And there's more quotes, but I don't, I don't think I have time to go through them all. I'm going to make this available, probably email this to you guys. And if you're visiting, you come talk to me. But these are some amazing prayer quotes. And honestly, Google them. Put amazing prayer quotes. I want to encourage you to do that. And just read them. The greatest thing anyone can do for God or man is pray. There's something to me that doesn't believe that. I know it's true. I know it's true. But something I don't believe. What do you mean just pray? What's the greatest thing you can do is pray, really? Right? But, but we know it's true. But we have to know it here, right? We have to live it. I'm going to pray to live it. Prayer is where the action is. Wow, that's a good one. John Wesley. Satan does not care about how many men read about prayer. <laughs> if only he can keep them from praying. And I'm reading a book on prayer, of course, and I read that. I'm like, thanks a lot. Yeah, amen. Don't pray when you feel like it. That's a good, that's a good one, right? I don't always feel like praying. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. That's super encouraging. Because sometimes I feel like the weakest Christian. But if I get on my knees, it's kind of cool to make Satan tremble, isn't it? You know? Look over there and he's like, I don't like what he's doing right there. Praying. I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Woo-hoo! That one puts chills down my spine. The man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to the world evangelism in history. I wish we would have known that 30 years ago. Where were you at, Andrew? He was like, I was not here. Yeah. I could have used Andrew. We have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. Good one. There is no other activity in life so important as the, that of the prayer. Every other activity depends upon prayer for its best efficiency. This one is a great one. He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. That one's like, you know. It's funny how manna at 12, it evaporated. And there's something about after 12 where it's just like, we're just sort of like, you know, amen. Some of us are night owls. Maybe 12 is when I get up in the morning. But most people on their circadian rhythm. Last one. I've seen many men work without praying. Though I've never seen anything good come out of it. (laughs) But I've never seen a man pray without working. But a lot of times, do I serve God or do I pray? God says, pray. Just focus on pray. You will come out of that prayer time serving. Amen? Amen. So thinking about this, guys, I want to encourage us. Let's fight spiritual things with spiritual things. Let's involve God. Let's involve heaven. You might not feel bold, but heaven is bold. Amen? Amen? You might not feel like you have the words, but heaven has the words. You might not feel knowledgeable or have wisdom, 
But guess where the wisdom is? Heaven. You might not have the strength to be a missionary or the time to have be a missionary, but heaven does. We need to involve heaven. And the way we do that is through prayer. Amen. Amen.